from the Cozy HBP Studios. You're listening to the 68th episode of Hipster Baseball Podcast, HBP. I'm Dorian, and on today's podcast, we take the Lincoln Tunnel to opening day at Yankee Stadium, scalp some cheap baseball tickets, collaborate with Miss Cleo for the 2022 baseball predictions, give two thumbs down to the Washington Nationals Nike City Connect Cherry Blossom jerseys, and Uncle Steve and the New York Mets smell blood in the water, thanks to Damian Hurst. And how do we start the podcast? With drinks, of course, my friend. In my hand, I have something that's called Extra Special Bitter in English Ale from New Jersey Beer Company in North Bergen, New Jersey. Because we always support good American jobs here on this podcast, I'm going to take a drink. North Bergen, New Jersey is by the Lincoln Tunnel, and you can get into Manhattan in about 30 minutes. Or if you live in New Jersey, from Hudson Yards in Manhattan, you take the Lincoln Tunnel and you're back home in about 30 minutes. That's if you drive, of course. And you're asking, what the heck is Hudson Yards? Look, we all know what Hudson Yards is. You may have been there, you may have not. Now, there's this thing in Hudson Yards called The Vessel by British designer Thomas Heatherwick. I actually call it the honeycomb because it's shaped like a honeycomb. And it's like this gold copper honeycomb thing called The Vessel. And everyone takes a picture of it. And at Hudson Yards, they have this amazing New York ice cream shop called Van Leeuwen. In my mind, that's one of the top ice cream shops in all of the United States. Check it out. If you're there, check out the vessel, check out the ice cream spot. I love, I love ice cream. I love ice cream as much as I love drinking on this podcast and talking with you. <laughs> Here's a quick thing that's actually interesting to me. Hudson Yards was built partially by the related companies. The related companies is owned by Stephen Ross. And Stephen Ross also owns the National Football League's Miami Dolphins, which is one of my football teams. We haven't been good in a million years, but I thought that was interesting. And cheers to the vessel. Cheers to British designers. Cheers to delicious ice cream and cheers to the good people at New Jersey Beer Company. And this awesome English ale that I have in my hand. Speaking of Manhattan and Northern New Jersey, baseball's opening season starts on the 7th of April on Thursday. Are you excited? I know I am. And after, after the owners locked out the players for 99 days, baseball's back. It's a wonderful reason to celebrate and we're all happy. Otherwise, we wouldn't be listening to this podcast. Otherwise, we wouldn't be drinking beers. Take me out to the ball game. Force feed me Yankees games that I don't want to watch. Get the Yankees the heck out of my face. Of course, opening day is in New York on ESPN. <laughs> That's obviously a bastardized version of take me out to the ball game. Why do I want ESPN to get out of my face by force feeding me Yankee games? Of course, the very first game that ESPN is showing on the 7th of April is, drum roll please, the Boston Red Sox versus New York Yankees at Yankee Stadium. This is really boring. ESPN is acting like it's 2017, which was the last season that the Yankees and the Red Sox actually had a real division title race in the American League East. Here's a trivia quiz. When's the last time the Yankees played their opening day on the road? I'll give you five seconds. Again, when's the last time the New York Yankees played their opening day game on the road? Never. Never. I'm serious. Look it up. I did. I was actually shocked and appalled 
Why is it that the Yankees could sit on their butts and play in Yankee Stadium at home every year for the past 100 years? It's outrageous. Think about it. When's the last time the Yankees had to start their season in Seattle or in Tampa or in Dallas playing in the Texas Rangers? Never, never. This made me think, does Rob Manfred, the, the terrible commissioner of Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball scheduling office, really think that Yankee fans won't t- tune in to see the Yankees opening day game unless it's at Yankee Stadium? No, the Yankees could play on Mars and Yankee fans would watch it. So let's get let's get rid of this privileged place that the Yankees have that they always get to play at home the very first series of the year. To be fair, the Yankees are probably the most famous and the most popular team in Major League Baseball. I've said it before. I'll say it again. It's not anything new, but there really are only about half a dozen teams in baseball that have a nationwide base. And in no particular order, they are the Boston Red Sox, the New York Yankees, the Atlanta Braves, the Chicago Cubs, the Los Angeles Dodgers, and maybe the St. Louis Cardinals, but I won't be watching the Red Sox and Yankees game at what what I think is like a one o'clock on Thursday on the 7th of April. I'm going to be watching the Cincinnati Reds at the Atlanta Braves opening night game on ESPN2. Dos. Because I want to watch the Braves receive their World Series championship ring. And obviously I'm a Braves fan, so I'll watch that. I'll watch it if it's on ESPN2, ESPN8. It doesn't matter. I'll watch it, baby. Now, no one's going to force you to follow us on social media, unlike ESPN, who's going to force you to watch the Red Sox and the Yankees. But again, you can follow us on social media if you want. Our Twitter handle is at HBP4040. And on Instagram, very simple, Hipster Baseball Podcast. Again, it's baseball's opening day. Are you going to go to, op- to an opening day game? Are you going to go to a game on opening day weekend? I've, all, I've never actually gone to a game on opening day or opening weekend. No, I lie. I've been to opening weekend. I haven't been on opening day because I've always thought the tickets are crazy expensive for opening day. And I was looking around the league. I was looking around the league. I was looking online at one of these secondary websites that sell tickets. And I want to share some of these ticket prices with you. If you want to go watch the San Diego Padres play the Arizona Diamondbacks, the cheapest ticket, 30 bucks opening day. Now, look, if you're going to go watch the San Diego Padres at the Diamondbacks. You have to be a diehard Diamondbacks fan. And I tip my cap to you, my friend, because that team is horrible. I think last year they lost 110 games and they probably will also lose 110 games this year as well. And the Padres are, they're going to be interesting. Unfortunately, Fernando Tatis Jr. is injured for a while. For 30 bucks, I don't know if I'd be, I would be sitting in the nosebleed section to go see the Padres or the Diamondbacks. If you're in the Midwest, what about the Detroit Tigers at the Chicago White Sox? Look, on this podcast, we love the Chicago White Sox. The cheapest game for that, $69. This matchup would be actually be more exciting because the Tigers have made they the Tigers have actually made a genuine effort to get better. They signed shortstop Javier Baez, they signed the pitcher Eduardo Rodriguez, and of course, the White Sox are the White Sox. They have star power. The shortstop Tim Anderson, the pitcher, Lucas Yalito, the catcher, Yasmari Grandal, former American League MVP, Jose Abreu. This, the White Sox are a team with championship caliber talent. Out West, what about the Houston Astros? Last year's American League champion at the Los Angeles Angels, $33. This is actually a good matchup, the Astros and the Angels, and you're only charging $33 for your ch- oh, only. 
But the point is that it's not as expensive as you would think because at the, on the angels, this is an attractive game. This is an attractive series. You have the angels have the all galaxy alien player, Shohei Otani, who can pitch and hit with the absolute best players in the game. You have Mike Trout. Hopefully he has a healthy season. The angels signed former New York, New York Mets pitcher, Noah Syndergaard. The angels also have a young up and coming star, hopefully right fielder, Joe Adele. And ultimately the question for the angels is, will the angels finally make the playoffs? I hope they do. They have too many recognizable stars on that team, not to make the playoffs and not to play in October. Okay. Let's stay out West. The Cincinnati Reds, terrible team playing against and at the Los Angeles Dodgers. But the Dodgers actually open up at home. You have to wait until the 14th of April for their opening night. And the cheapest ticket for the LA Dodgers at home on the first night is $136. That is some Hollywood prices, my friend. Hollywood prices. All I have to say about this opening night matchup for the Dodgers, two words, Freddie Freeman, sad face. He's now playing with the LA Dodgers. Of course, Freddie Freeman used to play with the Atlanta Braves. We're not going to go through all the matchups, but finally, the New York Mets at the Washington Nationals, opening day, cheapest ticket price, $42. $42, not bad. The New York Mets pitcher, Max Scherzer, he played with the Nationals last year. He's now signed with the New York Mets. He's coming back to Washington. The Nationals have a new uniform to show off. More on that later in the episode. So seriously, prices aren't that bad, but it's the upper deck. I'm going to be real with you. I can't do upper deck anymore. I used to do I used to watch a lot of baseball games in the in upper deck. Now as an adult, I want to sit close. I like I prefer to sit in the sections right behind the dugouts. Look at you, Mr. Fancy Pants. Now look, obviously I, I'm not a billionaire here. I don't own a team. I'm not sitting behind home plate, but if I'm going to go watch a game with good players and good teams, I want to sit close where I'm, where I just need my eyeglasses and not binoculars. So if you go to opening night, awesome. Send us a picture. We'll retweet it. We'll put it on Instagram. I am not going to an opening night game, but I'll be going to a game very soon somewhere. I'm not sure yet where. So obviously if I sit behind a dugout, it's a good view. A better view, as I mentioned, is sitting behind home plate. An even better view than sitting behind home plate is the view from the baseball diamond in the sky with Miss Cleo, our favorite Brooklyn fake Jamaican psychic. She's back and she's going to help me with Miss Cleo time, a.k.a. weekly predictions, the 2022 baseball predictions. I know you're at the edge of your seat. You've been asking all week, Dorian, what are your baseball predictions for 2022? We did this back for the 2021 season in episode 26. Some things I got right, some things I got wrong. Last year, my World Series predictions were the Los Angeles Dodgers versus the Chicago White Sox, and I had the Dodgers winning. I was wrong on all accounts. The Dodgers did not make it to the World Series. The Chicago White Sox did not make it to the World Series. My American League dark horse was the Houston Astros, and I was correct because the Astros won the American League, and they ended up losing in the, in the World Series against the Atlanta Braves. My crazy 2021 prediction was that Shohei Otani was going to be an all-star at both positions, pitcher and batter. And he was. Drum roll, maestro. For the 2022 predictions, I think that the American League Championship Series matchup will be the Toronto Blue Jays versus the Tampa Bay Rays. 
far and away the best division in baseball is going to be the American League East division. The Toronto Blue Jays, the Tampa Bay Rays, the Boston Red Sox, the New York Mets, and all the way in the back, the poor Baltimore Orioles. We don't need to talk about them. We talked about them in the last, last episode. We're probably not going to talk about them again. But the Blue Jays, with that disgusting offense that they have, and the Tampa Bay Rays, with they have no weaknesses. They, they don't have all the star players that the Toronto Blue Jays have or the Chicago White Sox have, but Tampa Bay Rays have no glaring weaknesses. They're going to be the two best teams in the American League all year, and they're going to meet for the right to go to the World Series. In the National League, my prediction of the 2022 National League Championship Series matchup is the Atlanta Braves against the LA Dodgers for the third consecutive year. They've already met in the National League Championship Series in 2020. They met in 2021. And they're going to meet again in 2022. Finally, the World Series, the Atlanta Braves versus the Toronto Blue Jays. And of course, the champion, my Braves, back-to-back. They have to go back-to-back. They don't have to go. It would be nice if they went back-to-back. Because that Braves versus Blue Jays matchup would be a, not a rematch, but it would just be the same same matchup as the 1992 World Series when the Blue Jays beat the Braves four games to two for the World Series championship. And before I get to my dark horses, I'm going to open up yet another extra special bitter English ale. So give me a minute. Don't give me a minute. Give me a few moments. My favorite parts of this prediction with Miss Cleo are the dark horses. Now, my dark horse American League team is either the Los Angeles Angels or the Seattle Mariners. Now, obviously, I I have to get off the fence. It's either the Angels or the Mariners as the dark horse, the team that you don't really see, but it could could possibly happen that they make it all the way to the World Series. I'm going to go with the Seattle Mariners. Their division has gotten weaker. The Athletics traded away their first baseman, Matt Olson. They received a whole bunch of young prospects from the Atlanta Braves. The Athletics, of course, they're cheap. They don't like to spend. The Houston Astros lost shortstop Carlos Correa. All these teams took a step step backwards in the American League West. And basically, it was just the Seattle Mariners and the Texas Rangers. But the Texas Rangers don't have enough firepower to compete. And I, if, I, if you squint hard enough, if players stay healthy, if players produce to their ability or even exceed it by 5-10%, you can see the Seattle Mariners go far. Over the National League, my dark horse, as crazy as it sounds, the San Diego Padres. Yes, they have Fernando Tatis Jr. out, but that's a really talented team. And if, of course, players have to produce and players have to stay healthy, if their star prospect who has lost some of his luster, the pitcher, Mackenzie Gore, can actually contribute to that pitching staff of the Padres, the Padres are going to be right there neck and neck with the LA Dodgers in the National League West. So there you go. My dark horses in the American League, Seattle Mariners, National League, San Diego Padres. And you're asking yourself, Dorian, not Dorian, but Miss Cleo, Miss Cleo, what about the New York Mets and Steve Cohen, Uncle Steve's billions? The season hasn't started yet, and Jacob deGrom won't start on opening day. He's out for two months, at least two months, with a shoulder shoulder issue. He did an MRI, I think, sometime last week. I don't trust their pitching. Their offense is going to be much better. I don't trust their pitching. And also in the American League, what about the Chicago White Sox? I love the White Sox. I adore the White Sox. But you know what? One of their 
best pitchers last year, Carlos Rondon, he signed with the San Francisco Giants. And right now, the White Sox and their manager, Tony Larusa, they expect and hope for a full season of their stud, hot, flame-throwing pitcher, Michael Kopech. I love Michael Kopech. But beyond Lucas Gialito and Michael Kopech, where else do the White Sox get pitching? I love Michael Kopech, but what I don't love is the Chicago White Sox outfield. Outside of their amazing defensive wizard, Luis Robert, the Cuban, who else is out in the outfield? Eloy Jimenez? Andrew Vaughn was hurt. He, he had a hip pointer injury in spring training a few weeks ago. He's, in, he's out for a while. And every, not every time, but last year, whenever I would watch White Sox games, I never liked their defense. Never liked their defense. I still don't like it in 2022. And eventually that stuff comes out in the playoffs when you're playing against the best competition. So those are the two reasons I'm not a big fan of the New York Mets or the Chicago White Sox going deep into the playoffs. And so finally, Ms. Cleo said, it's time for crazy prediction. Now, my crazy prediction this year is the Kansas City Royals rookie shortstop, Bobby Witt Jr., is going to hit more home runs than the New York Mets shortstop, Francisco Lindor. If you don't know about Bobby Witt Jr., he's the real deal. You're, he's going to be called up very soon in this season if he doesn't if he doesn't manage to break camp with the Royals. This kid's a stud. Look out for him. Bobby Witt Jr., my friends. So we like Bobby Witt Jr. We like the Atlanta Braves to win it all. We like the Chicago White Sox. Some of us don't, though. But what we all like is saving money. And that's where our show sponsor comes in. Caldor, where shopping is always a pleasure. When you go shopping, what do you notice? How expensive everything is. Inflation is hitting us all. Come to Caldor for the spring saving celebration. You can buy that new coffee maker, television, or even rollerblades for the kids without breaking your budget. Come on down this weekend when we're offering up to 25% discount on selected items from 7 a.m. to 12 p.m. Buy at Caldor, where shopping is always a pleasure. Cheers to Caldor looking out for our, after our wallets because we can use all that savings to buy more locally produced beer. And in Washington, D.C., some of the fans have used some of that Caldor savings to buy themselves a boatload of new Washington Nationals City Connect jerseys. Because this is when we come in with our, one of my favorite segments, styling and profiling with Ric Flair. Fashion in sports. Not fashion and sports, fashion in sports. The Washington Nationals are going to be wearing a new Nike City Connect jersey. They're back. We talked about them a lot last season. And now the Nationals will use their new City Connect jersey on the 9th and 10th of April, opening day weekend, against the New York Mets in Washington, D.C. So the new the, the, this Nike City Connect jersey is going to honor the capital city's iconic annual Cherry Blossom Festival, which is actually going on right now. It's in the Tidal Basin in front of Thomas Jefferson's Thomas Jefferson Memorial. Mark Lerner, the, ma the managing principal owner of the Washington Nationals, said, quote, Washington, D.C.'s Cherry Blossoms represent hope and new beginnings, making them the perfect symbol of this Nationals team. End quote. We constantly talked about the previous Nike City Connect jerseys from 2021. The Chicago White Sox, awesome. The San Francisco Giants jerseys, horrible. They tried to portray fog on a jersey. Yes, they tried. Nike tried to portray fog on a jersey. Let that sink in. The Chicago Cubs 
Nike City Connect jersey, super boring. Now, the National City Connect jersey, I'm not feeling it. A lot of Nike's City Connect jersey designs have, I think, been super uninspired or just plain sucked. No lawsuits, please. HPP's general counsel is up to his eyeballs in work. So please, Nike, lay off of us. <laughs> in my opinion, the best Nike City Connect jerseys so far have only been two. Last year, the Chicago White Sox with their awesome black and white jersey. It looked like graffiti. I loved it. And the Arizona Diamondbacks had had Serpiente, which is Spanish for serpent or, or diamondback. And it was kind of like a desert color. It was very cool. I really like those two. Check those out. Arizona Diamondbacks, Chicago White Sox, Nike City Connect. Sanja Henning, the Nike Vice President of North America League Partnership, said, quote, We are thrilled to honor the history of each club while pushing the bounds of what a baseball jersey can be. We hope this series will continue to energize longtime fans and bring a new generation of new ones to the game, end quote. That's aspirational. I like it. So far, Sonja, I'm not feeling what you guys are doing at all. So you're asking yourself, Dorian, you don't like this, but what does a jersey look like, my friend? What does a Nationals Nike City Connect jersey look like? Number one, check your internet machine. Number two, I'm going to tell you about the uniform. It has, It's a dark gray jersey. It has a cherry blossom floral pattern all over it. And across the chest are the letters WSH, which is the abbreviation for Washington, D.C. I don't know who told Nike this. The abbreviation for Washington, D.C. is not WSH. It's D.C. <laughs> so WSH is, uh, is in white and ivory. And on the right sleeve of the jersey is the Washington, D.C. flag, but it's actually in pink and gray. And on the left sleeve of the jersey is the Washington's logo, but also in the, the, the pink and gray. And uh, a, cherry, a cherry tree with pink petals is flying away in the breeze in the bottom left corner of the sleeve. They could have done better. And the baseball cap, obviously, is, is dark gray as well. It has a white W. It's white and ivory. And there's also um, cherry blossom petals also blowing away from the top right of the corner. On the right side of the baseball cap is a patch showing a cherry blossom tree also with petals blowing away. Look, overall, I don't like gray in clothing, what you wear every day. And I don't like gray in jerseys. I don't like gray in sports jerseys is what I mean. Gray is bland and it does not catch your eye. When you look up the Washington Nationals Nike City Connect jersey, honestly, it looks like something that your mom, your girlfriend, your wife, your sister, your female cousins would bring home from Bath and Body Works or from Victoria's Secrets. Honestly, look it up. That jersey with WSH and like the pink and a little bit of gray, it's it doesn't belong on a baseball field. Not that there's nothing wrong with Bath and Body Works and Victoria's Secrets. Again, no lawsuits, please. The HVP general counsel, I told you, he's very, very busy. I don't like it, but that's my opinion. And the release from the Major League Baseball office about the new National City Connect uniform read, quote, it pays tribute to America's majestic capital city and the proud, diverse, creative people of all backgrounds who call it home, end quote. If you take out the words America's majestic capital city, and you read it as it pays tribute to blank and the proud, diverse, creative people of all backgrounds who call it home. You could say the same thing about so many different cities in the U.S. and even North America, Seattle, Toronto, Atlanta, Miami, 
Philadelphia, Austin, Vancouver, Las Vegas, Phoenix, Charlotte, all of these cities have proud, diverse, and creative people. Again, boring, uncreative for Major League Baseball. And this drives my ultimate point. My ultimate point is that Major League Baseball is so bad at making things exciting and an event. Why not set a day of the week or a week of the month that unveils the Nike City Connect jerseys? Make it something that everyone can look forward to, especially if it's your team that has the new Nike City Connect jersey. You know what? The next Nike City Connect jersey is going to be for the Kansas City Royals, and they're going to wear it on the 20th of April. They haven't shown it what what it's going to look like yet, but the Royals will wear theirs on the 20th of April. My friend, the 20th of April is on a Wednesday. Is there a more unexciting day of the week than a Wednesday night? Why not have the Nike City Connect jersey night and put those games on national television? But Major League Baseball is not going to listen to me. I'm just a dude on a podcast talking to you in an overturned bucket in a janitor's closet, okay? Noah Garden, the Major League Baseball chief revenue officer said, quote, coming out of the first year, there are some clubs that wish they went a little farther. Some of the clubs had been preparing for launch either this year or next year and got a little bit more aggressive, end quote. I don't like the Washington Nationals, Cherry Blossom's great jerseys, but what do I know? Because the Nationals fans have come out in record droves They've smashed the Nike City Connect jersey day one sales by 58%. And so they've been selling out like hotcakes, these Cherry Blossoms jerseys. You have to check them out. But what's not mentioned is who was the previous number one day one sales of these Nike City Connect jerseys? They don't say who it is. I think it probably maybe the LA Dodgers and their dumb Los Dodgers written across in the front of the jersey because LA obviously is a national, it's a national team. If you're in the DC area, or as Nike thinks it's called, if you're in the WSH area, <laughs> check out the Nationals Nike City Connect jersey on the 9th and 10th of April. I don't think the Cherry Blossoms jersey looks good, but you know what looks good? Investing in your business, investing in your home, investing in yourself always striving to become a better version of you. What is this, a self-help podcast? (laughs) Anyways, I'm going to take a drink because I don't want this to become a self-help podcast. Nothing wrong with bettering yourself. In our last segment, the S&P Double Play, business and baseball. I want to talk about Steve Cohen, a.k.a. Uncle Steve, the owner of the New York Mets and his unlimited wealth. A lot of teams. Basically, a lot of the owners of the teams are afraid of Uncle Steve. Look, besides most of the owners wanting to screw over the players during that 99-day silly lockout, there was actually drama within the owners group because they were not a united front. Some of the owners who always cry poor wanted to make the competitive balance tax lower to punish or deter Uncle Steve from outspending them. Previously, the competitive balance tax was set at $210 million. In 2022, the competitive balance tax is going to be $230 million. And as an owner of one of these baseball teams, you're discouraged from paying more than that. Basically, what I mean by $230 million is that it's the total sum of all of your players' salaries added up for that particular season. So in 2022, 
your 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 player salaries should not go above $230 million. But the owners use the competitive balance tax as a salary cap. Basically, you can't pay, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be paying more than this because if you do, the, the Major League Baseball is going to fine you. They might punish you with draft picks taken away. But some of the big market clubs like in LA and New York, they think of these penalties as minimal. It's something you can live with. But some owners wanted the CBT, the competitive balance tax, to be as low as possible because that way you wouldn't let the New York Mets, the LA Dodgers, you would take away their ability to spend as much as they wanted and they would need to be punished for that. And so the taxes for this is basically if you exceed the competitive balance tax for one year, you get taxed on 20% of the amount exceeding the limit. So let's say the competitive balance tax is $230 million this year and you go over by $20 million you would pay a tax on those, you would pay a 20% tax on that 20 million that was exceeded. If you go over it two years in a row as a team, you get taxed on 30% of the limit exceeded. If you, as a team decide, you know what, for three years in a row, screw the competitive balance tax, we're going to go right past it. After three years, you get taxed at 50% of the amount exceeding that limit. On top of that, there's surcharges and that's way into the weeds we're not going to get into. Now, all the tax money that's collected by Major League Baseball, half of that pool of funds goes back to teams that didn't exceed the competitive balance tax. Gene Orza, who is a former Major League Baseball Players Association chief operating officer, said, quote, I'm sure clubs are afraid of Steve Cohen. If we lose some restraints on salary, the Mets will spend $300 million or something like that. You always have that small market, big market battle. He has to be sensitive to that, end quote. There are some owners who just flat out don't like Uncle Steve. You have Art Moreno, the owner of the Los Angeles Angels. You have the owners of the Arizona Diamondbacks, the Cincinnati Reds. They all voted against increasing the luxury tax to $230 million Because like I said, the previous year, it was $210 million. And in this case, there's a running theme. These same owners also voted against Uncle Steve buying the Mets back in September 2020. The Angels Moreno, he's worth $3.6 billion, and he doesn't want to spend anything on his Angels. You have the Chicago White Sox owner, Jerry Reinsdorf. He's worth about $1.8 billion, and he voted against Uncle Steve. By the way, the White Sox have never exceeded the competitive balance tax. You have the Diamondbacks owner, Ken Kendrick. We've talked about him before. He's worth about $600 million. So, you know, he's had to move back into his parents' house because, you know, he's only worth $600 million. I'm teasing here, people. Finally, you have the Reds owners. Rob Castellini, he's only worth $400 million. I mean, the poor guy, he's basically living in a halfway home. Let's, let's have some sympathy for Rob Castellini. These guys, Moreno, Reinsdorf, Kendrick, Castellini, they basically make up the El Chipo Baseball Owners Club. I always say, if you're not going to improve yourself, if you're not going to improve your team, sell the team and stop being a welfare queen taking handouts from teams like the Dodgers and the Mets. Taking handouts from the rich will only make Castellini and Kendrick lazy and less motivated to work. It's socialism. What does Uncle Steve think? Quote, I know the name for it. It's called the Cohen tax. The way I describe it, it's better than a bridge being named after you or something like that. It's still a lot of money to spend on payroll. I don't think that it's so confining 
that I can't live with it, end quote. And the Mets actually stayed under the tax in Uncle Steve's first season as majority owner back in 2021. In 2022, they've exceeded it because Uncle Steve and the Mets signed expensive free agents like Max Scherzer, I just mentioned, former Washington Nationals pitcher, Starling Marte, Eduardo Escobar, because the Mets have a big battle in the National League East Division playing it against the world, the defending World Series champion, Atlanta Braves. And they get a healthy Ronald Acuna Jr. back. On paper, the Braves might be better than their World Series team back in 2021. And I love that Uncle Steve has owned the Mets for just two years, and he's already making these owners angry while they sip their champagne in their G650 private jets. <laughs> Ultimately, this nonsense of taxes and redistribution of wealth does not bother Uncle Steve. I'm going to tell you something before we close this out about a piece of art that Uncle Steve owns. Overall, Uncle Steve has an art collection valued at over a billion dollars. That's with a B, a billion. Specifically, I want to talk about a piece of art he owns titled The Physical Impossibility of Death in the Mind of Someone Living by the British artist Damien Hirst. Let me run that by you one more time. This art piece is called The Physical Impossibility of Death in the Mind of Someone Living. We mentioned this back in episode 10. Basically, it's a shark. It's a tiger shark suspended in formaldehyde. This piece is considered the iconic work of British art from the 1990s and was the symbol of Brit art, Brit pop art around the world. Back in 1991, a very famous, some maybe shady, British business, Iraqi British businessman by the name of Charles Saatchi, he offered to pay any amount for an artwork from Damien Hirst. Charles Saatchi basically told Damien Hirst, you create whatever you want and I will pay you for it. So ultimately he came up, uh, Damien Hirst came up with something about a tiger shark. The tiger shark itself cost Hirst 6,000 pounds, which is about 8,000 American dollars. Overall, the art piece cost Damien Hirst 50,000 British pounds, about 65,000 American dollars. So Hirst commissioned a fisherman to catch a tiger shark and he did catch a tiger shark off of Hervey Bay in Queensland, Australia. Hearst wanted to be something, quote, big enough to eat you, end quote. So the piece is made up of a tiger shark, steel, 5% formaldehyde solution, and its, its measurements is 7 feet wide, 17 feet long, and 7 feet tall, or 213 centimeters by 518 centimeters by 213 centimeters you fancy people. At first, the tiger shark was actually preserved pretty poorly and it began to deteriorate when some of the liquid became murky. And Damien Hurst said this was because the Saatchi gallery added bleach to the formaldehyde. So then in two, fast forward in 2004, this is when Uncle Steve comes into the picture. Hurst learned that Saatchi was going to sell the piece to Uncle Steve. So Hurst said, you know what? It's falling apart. I'll replace the shark. Steve Cohen paid for it. And he said the expense, quote, inconsequential, end quote. <laughs> People, the formaldehyde alone cost about $100,000. Most of people in America don't make $100,000, okay? Ultimately, another tiger shark was caught off of Queensland, Australia. It was shipped to Damien Hurst. It, it took two months to get from Australia to England. 
Oliver Crimmen, who is a scientist and a fish curator at the London's Natural History Museum, he assisted Damien Hirst's team in the preservation of this tiger shark back in 2006. And the preservation involved injecting formaldehyde in the body of the tiger shark. Don't worry, PETA people, the tiger shark obviously was already dead. They weren't injecting formaldehyde into a living tiger shark. They also soaked the tiger shark for two weeks in a bath of 7% formalin solution. And they put it back into the original 1991 casing, the, the vitrine that was the, where the original tiger shark was housed. It's been rumored that Steve Cohen paid between 8 and $12 million for this art piece. You have to look this piece up. It's, it's off-putting at first. The physical impossibility of death in the mind of someone living. But when you actually look at it longer, you're like, son of a gun, this is some ferocious ass piece of art. So after I told you that little art story of Steve Cohen, I'm going to ask you, do you think he cares about this so-called Cohen tax? Do you think he cares about the competitive balance tax and the El Cheapo club of some of the baseball owners? You tell me. There's actually another art story that involves Steve Cohen, the former casino billionaire Steve Wynn, and a piece of art from Pablo Picasso titled Le Rêve, which is the dream. It's It's a story for another time, but it tells you Steve Cohen doesn't care about how much things cost. Steve Cohen only cares if he wants it bad enough. If he wanted to pay $10 million for a tiger shark suspended in formaldehyde, and he paid for it to be completely redone by the British artist Damien Hirst, if he's paying for over $100 million for a Pablo Picasso artwork that was damaged, and he still ended up paying for it, he sees himself as that shark. He wants to attack. He smells the blood of these fearful owners. He wants the World Series championship trophy back in Queens, New York. That's very scary for a lot of these owners who don't want to do any of that. Finally, how the New York Mets look in 2022? As I said earlier, as you probably know, Jacob deGrom, the all-world pitcher, is out probably until June because of shoulder problems. And that's a big issue for a pitcher. The offense should be much better. I love their offense. Pete Alonzo, Francisco Lindor, Mark Canna. But the Mets' glaring weakness, I think, in going into 2022 to try to dethrone the Atlanta Braves and get back to the World Series. Look, beyond DeGrom, who's injured, and Max Scherzer, who's 37 years old, who are their other starting pitchers? Sit down and think about it. Who do the Mets send out after Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer? A bunch of guys that you're just crossing your fingers and thinking, well, hopefully he can get us five innings and get us to the bullpen. And ultimately, you burn up your bullpen by doing that 162 times in a year. Maybe not 162 because you still have Scherzer and DeGrom. I think that it'll still be another year between before the Mets get back to the World Series. Well, Steve Cohen wants something, Steve Cohen gets. And that's a scary thing for all of us who are not New York Mets fans. And beyond understanding what the competitive balance tax is, beyond understanding British art of the 1990s, we also appreciate new listeners. We appreciate them every single week. We appreciate you. We have two new listeners this week from New Orleans, Louisiana, and San Bernardino, California. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Thank you all for continuing to listen to our podcast, where we talk about baseball, drinks, the 1990s Brit pop scene, and everything else under the sun. Subscribe to the podcast and share with your family and friends. 
You can find us on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, and SoundCloud. You know our social media accounts. My drink will be in the episode description. I also post the picture of what I drink on our social media accounts. And join us next time for a brand new episode of HBP, Hipster Baseball Podcast. Play ball.